This is the World War II Radio Podcast. A date which will live in infamy. This is London. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Go ahead, Berlin. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Welcome to the World War II Radio Podcast. This week, we have a fundraiser for the Red Cross that originally aired over CBS on January 21st, 1942. It features entertainment and history programming and is hosted by Kate Smith and Ted Collins. The World War II Radio Podcast is a Brick Pickle Media production. If you like the show, please leave feedback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. You can also support the show by clicking on the link in the show notes and offering your financial support. Your donations help us to continue to produce the podcast. And thanks to those of you who have already donated. So thanks for listening and enjoy this week's episode of the World War II Radio Podcast. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ted Collins, and you are listening to a program dedicated to the American Red Cross. And hello, everybody. This is Kate Smith. We are met this evening to consider for the scope of half an hour, America. Yes, America. 3,022,387 square miles, divided into towns and counties consisting of churches and schools, drugstores and movie houses, consisting of eight great rivers and five great lakes and 630 million acres of forest. Yes, and croplands and pastures, woodlands and grazing grounds, roads, parks, reservations, deserts, swamps, mountains, railroads, and being a government composed of three coordinate branches, the executive, the legislative, and the judicial. And composed of 48 states, one district, and several territories. All Americans. All to be defended. You've gone to war to defend those things, America. Yes, those things and these things. The pattern trees make above your house. And the long, vigilant line of them down the street. The warm, friendly smell of breakfast. And kisses bestowed on small scrub faces carrying off to school. The broken back stair steps that, that you've been meaning to get fixed for years. The way the wind blows through the meadows where you have your summer picnic. And the cool embrace of the water. The curves of all the highways in the whole country. 
and the adventure lurking behind them, the unchanging stars above those highways, and the whims of the weather along them. The silhouettes of cities against the midnight, the seductive whisper of the midnight express, the loneliness of foghorns and bellboys, rains and fogs and snows that wander across the country. Yes, that wander across the country until they reach your house and become part of the pattern of your daily life. You've gone to war for all these things, America. All these little things that have become suddenly sacred. Things to live and fight and die for. America. Forty-eight states indivisible. One of the last strongholds of democracy. Football, baseball, chewing gum, hot dogs, hockey, tennis, stenographers, hat check girls, bankers, lawyers, tailors, all Americans, laughing at America and laughing with America and singing at the top of their lusty young lungs songs like this. Philip Nolan, rise and face the court. 
Is there anything you wish to say to show that you have always been faithful to the United States? The United States? Damn the United States! I wish I may never hear of the United States again! Who was that man? Who would dare utter such treason? Come over closer to the radio. I want to tell you a story about you, America. About you and your growing. This is not the story of a national hero, but of Philip Nolan, who severed a bond before he knew its value. Listen to the story of the man without a country. Think way back, way back to the 1800s. Remember America? Zealous old Tom Jefferson was in the White House. And down in the South was a man named Aaron Burr and a man named Philip Nolan. They say now, now that history has sifted the facts and weighed the evidence, they say Philip Nolan was as fine as any officer in the Western Division. And he might have gone to his final sleep among the vine-covered homes of the dead in Orleans as quietly as any of them had a star not crossed his path one night. Mr. Nolan, I am Aaron Burr. I am told you are a young man of remarkable promise. I should like to talk with you about your future. Why, thank you, sir. I hardly know what to say. Thank you. A star comes that way sometimes. Sudden, blinding, dazzling. And it was only a step from Aaron Burr's side to a trial for treason. The United States versus Philip Nolan. He was bewildered, deeply hurt, embittered. Above all else, he was young. An older man would have checked his anger. A traitor would have been wise enough to hide his feelings. But Philip Nolan was neither sage nor traitor. A moment's silence, and then those words that were to echo forever through his life. I wish I may never hear of the United States again! I wish I may never hear of the United States again. I wish I may never hear of the United States again. I wish I may never hear of the shivered against the walls. The judge and jury rose and left the court wordlessly. No one else stirred. Someone in the back of the room sighed. Someone else coughed. That was all. Fifteen minutes went by like fifteen years before the judge returned. Prisoner, hear the sentence of the court. The court decides subject to the approval of the president, that you shall have your wish. You will never hear the name of the United States again. It was the fall of 1870. It would be 1863 before he heard her name again. The leaves would grow red in Maryland soon. They would be piled along the Potomac for burning. The smoke would be laced against the November sky. 
They would be tapping the trees for maple sugar in the Vermont woods. And the New England housewives would be cracking the nuts for the Thanksgiving pudding. The Cape Cod fishermen would go out in the gray dawn for their nets. And the harvest would be a bright promise against the Indiana hillside. And the Mississippi would go slipping on through the heart of America. But not for Philip Nolan. His heritage of four leaves and Thanksgiving puddings and Christmas trees, those lovely, casual things that make up a nation's traditions, were all lost to him. His was the sea and the bitterness of salt on his lips and no port at evening. And in one sudden, heart-stabbing moment, Philip Nolan knew what he had lost. You will receive from Lieutenant Neal the person of Philip Nolan, later lieutenant in the United States Army. You will take the prisoner on board your ship, and under no circumstances is he ever to hear of his country or to see any information regarding it. So Philip Nolan walked the decks of the seven seas and thought about America. He was a ghost among his companions drifting from port to port, listening to a word that filled his heart, that reached him in the wind that sighed from the rigging, that the waves whispered through the midnight. One word, America. The grass is blue in Kentucky this spring. Wouldn't you like to ride through it with the earth hard and firm? Under your horse's feet. Think of it. Earth. Under you. The flower girls are in the streets of Orleans now. It's almost time for the Mardi Gras. Remember the girl you kissed at the Mardi Gras. The snow is thick and white in New England. They are riding through it to the Christmas parties. Can't you hear the sleigh bells? I can't stand thinking anymore. Oh, God, let me stop remembering. I wish I may never hear of the United States again. I wish I may never hear of the United States again. I wish... The court decides, subject to the approval of the president... No. ...that you will have no wish. So he could never find peace. Ships docked, set sail... Men went home on leave. He watched in wordless agony. And then, one night in the Mediterranean, some ladies were invited aboard for a ship's ball. All that was young in Philip Nolan died that night. Anne. Anne Emery. Why, Philip Nolan... This is a surprise. It's been a long time, Anne. Yes. A very long time. You're looking splendid, Mr. Nolan. The sea evidently agrees with you. I had forgotten how lovely you are. Come, Mr. Nolan. Let's go out on deck a minute. If you like. 
tried to see you before I left. They wouldn't let me see anyone. I understand. I was very busy at the time anyhow. I was married soon after you left. Married? Yes, of course. Hadn't you heard? I have a little boy now. A little boy? You must be very happy. I am, Philip. There are a lot of things I would like to say to you, but that I will never say. You understand, don't you? I understand. It's strange that we should meet again way out here. I've never thought to see you again. I'm a little sorry we did meet. I had forgotten you. It was better that way. I loved you very much. I loved you and I lost you and everything else I loved in one mad moment. Oh, my dear. I think we should get back to the dancers. Tell me. Just one more thing. What do you hear from home? Home, Mr. Lewis? I thought you were the man who never wanted to hear of home again. I beg your pardon. Good night. Philip Nolan knew in that moment how alone he was. One man with only the sea for the rest of his life, and one nameless port at the end of it. The days became weeks, the weeks years that marched across his forehead and left him old. His eyes were deep pools of loneliness, his heart completely empty. And no one knew until the day he was dying how deep his hurt had gone. No one knew until that day when they entered his room for the first time and found it a shrine to America. The stars and stripes were draped around a picture of Washington. And he had painted a majestic eagle with its foot clasping the whole globe. At the foot of his bed was a great map of the United States drawn from memory with almost forgotten names on it. The Indian Territory. The Mississippi Territory. Captain, you see, I have a country. Yes, I see no one. How do you feel? Is there anything I can do for you? Captain, I'm dying. I'll never see America again. Listen to me. There is not a man on this ship or in all the United States that loves her as I do. Tell me. Tell me about America. Tell you about America. How can I begin to tell you about it? America. He left America in 1870. It was 1863. War had come and gone in 1812, and Francis Scott Key had sat on a British battleship and composed a national anthem. Jackson had taken the Florida Territory. A new flag had been raised in Washington with 13 alternate stripes and 20 stars. Nine presidents had been in the White House. The Monroe Doctrine was born, the cornerstone of foreign policy. The continents of the Western Hemisphere 
are henceforth not to be considered as subjects for future colonization by any of the European powers. The United States were gathering themselves into a nation. It is not the states, but the people of the nation who have made the Union. It is, sir, the people's constitution, the people's government, made for the people, made by the people, answerable to the people. Peter Cooper's steam locomotive, the Tom Thumb, drew its first train of cars over 23 miles of B&O Railroad. Andrew Jackson moved the Indians west of the Mississippi. Arkansas, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa were part of the nation. The Battle of the Alamo was fought in Texas, gold was discovered in California, and a new nation spanned two oceans. The South and the North were quarreling over slavery, and in the White House, a president whose words were the voice of the new nation. It is for us, the living, rather, to be dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, and that government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. Is a great nation, Captain. Yes, Norman. A great nation. A great nation. Norman. Norman. And so his last thought was of his country. Before they lowered him into the sea, they draped the flag of the United States over his coffin. How proud that would have made him. The captain droned the last rites. The bugler played taps. And the ceremony was over. Uh, Men, we found this paper in Nolan's thing. Bury me in the sea. It has been my home. And I love it. But will someone set up a stone for my memory... At Fort Adams or at Orleans, so that my disgrace will not follow me through eternity. Say on it, in memory of Philip Nolan, lieutenant in the Army of the United States. He loved his country as no other man has ever loved her. But no man deserved less at her hand. We will do as he wished. Yes, we will do as he wished. And so, although the sea claimed him, his soul would know the feeling of land again. The flowers would be near him, and the trees and the earth of America. He would know the seasons and the pulsing life of the nation. There would be a flag over him, and the knowledge of belonging. And thus, a man without a country came home to America.
ladies and gentlemen, in the language of America, let's get down to business. Let's get down to business, you and I, for we have a charge to keep, and there is no time to waste. Out there in the Pacific, there's a man named MacArthur, and other men, too, of all nationalities, boys from New England and California, men from the east side and the west side, all around the town. Tough city slickers and sunburned farmer lads, they're out there, and they're in other places, too, over the far-flung battlefronts. They're all there. And in their veins is the red, white, and blue blood of America. Up in the starlight of the night sky, a lonely flyer keeps his tryst with death. And on the land, a wounded soldier lies. While on the seas that span our shores, a sailor dreams of home. But we, we are here. We have a charge to keep. A monument to build. You all know about monuments. Memorial, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, Pioneer Woman, the Statue of Paul Revere, monuments to our honored dead. But tonight, we are met to build a new monument, a monument to the living. We are met to build a cross, a monument to mercy. I can't build it alone. Neither can you, or you, or you. But 130 millions of us can build it. We can build it so high, if we will, that it will reach upward to the sky and outward to the farthest lonely outpost where the sick and the weary and the wounded sigh with labored, halting breath. We can build a red cross so high and so strong that it will be higher than the highest enemy plane and firm as the rocks of our rock-bound coast when the bombs drop nearer home. When the bombs drop nearer home. Do you know what that means, ladies and gentlemen? They know what it means in England. In China, they know what it means at Manila. Pearl Harbor knows, and Wake, and Guam, and Midway. And who are we here, warm in our little homes? Who are we to be free and well-fed and whole? What are we waiting for while the bombs drop near our home? You're right beside your radio. Lean back in your easy chair. The movies will soon be over now, and the children will come trooping in. Look how the firelight gleams and dances there on the friendly hearth. The snow lies soft and white on the mountains tonight. There's the sound of laughter in the air and a tinkle of sleigh bells. They're dancing under a tropic moon down on the shores of Miami. But the bombs are dropping nearer home. Johnny is learning what blackouts mean, and Susan tugs at a tag at her wrist. It's an identification tag, she says. All the kids at school have them. Yep, the bombs are dropping nearer home. 
They're curious things, bombs. You can't look up and shake your fist and say, You can't fall here, for here is a child with golden hair and the blue of the sky in her eyes. And here is an old man dozing in the sun. Why, he never harmed a soul. Here is a woman in labor. Here's a little boy who is lost. You can't fall here. You can't fall now. No, you can't lift up your voice like that, and you can't stop a bomb with a lot of abacadabra. You can't, and I can't. But we can do something. We can build a monument, a monument to the living. We can build it with dollars and pennies and dimes. We can build a red cross, poor and rich, young and old, people of every race and color and creed who are known by the name Americans. We can build a Red Cross for we are America. America is a heritage you can't measure. You can't describe it in dollars and cents. But we can build our monument with dollars and cents. We can help the sick and the wounded and the hungry with dollars and cents. That is the charge we have to keep, ladies and gentlemen. That is the message I bring to you tonight. This is our job. Let's get to work. Will you please give me a contribution for the Red Cross? Send it to me now, tonight. Address it to Kate Smith, New York City. Give. Please do. I beg of you. Give more generously than you ever gave before. Give for the safety of those you love. Give for all you hold dear. Remember Pearl Harbor, and bear in mind that they started something, but we're gonna end it right in their own backyard. We're proud of our country and proud to defend it, so Yankee Doodle hit them hard. Put your shoulders to the wheel, the whole darn world will get a brand new deal. And so a half hour spent in contemplating the scope of America and the challenge of the hour. On behalf of Kate Smith, I'd like to publicly say thank you to all my associates who have contributed their time and their talents to this program. Jack Miller and the men of the CBS Symphony Orchestra. The actors, Herbert Rudley, John Brewster, Charles Weber, Helen Shields, Julian Noah, Lon Clark, John Griggs, and my collaborators, Gene Holloway, and Jane Tompkins. This is Ted Collins saying good night. And this is the Columbia Broadcasting System. <laughs>